So last week, if you remember, we left off with the conversion of Saul, very famous passage, Acts chapter 9. And uh, Saul, now a new believer, was sharing his faith in Jesus with everyone that he came in contact with. It did not go over well with the religious Jewish leaders that he was once a part of, and this is where we pick up. So today what we're going to do is we're going to see God use many people in different ways so that others can hear the good news about Jesus. We're going to see how God uses many people in different ways so the others can hear the good news about Jesus. So now the first person that we're going to deal with, obviously, is Saul. It says this, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. So this many days that's referenced here in this verse, we later learn in Galatians 1, 18 through 20, that Saul went from Damascus to Arabia and then back to Damascus. And this happened over the course of three years, which actually shows us something. It shows us that Saul went through some time of study of prayer and preparation before he went back to Jerusalem. So now back in Damascus, the religious Jews were at the gates waiting for Saul to make his next move so they can kill him. So they're kind of waiting outside the gates, waiting outside to make sure that Saul doesn't leave because if he leaves, what's he carrying with him? The gospel message. So they didn't want this to happen. So they're like, when he comes, we're going to get him. Okay, we're going to kill him. So the next people we see are a group of unnamed disciples. So it says, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. So Saul made some good friends, some disciples. They were willing to help him escape. So if you can kind of imagine a city with a big wall and a gate, and basically what's happening here is uh, they're waiting at the gate to kill him. So his friends, these unnamed disciples, actually say like, hey, you know what? Let's help Saul out. Let's get him out of here so he can go continue his mission. They were good friends, right? And a good friend keeps you out of harm's way. They help you in your time of need. They help you fulfill God's plan and mission in your life. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any friends like that? Do you have those good friends? Yes? No? Okay. Well, here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. If you're wondering, do I have friends like that, are you that type of friend? Are you that type of friend? So maybe some of you feel, you know what, I don't really have friends that are like the ones that help Saul out. But maybe the reason why is you're not that type of friend. One of the things that we have to realize in friendships is you normally get out what you put in. Have you noticed that? You normally get out what you put in. If you're a good friend to other people, you usually get that reciprocation. Usually other people will respond in kind. So chances are, if you're a good friend, you're going to make good friends. And if you're not a good friend, you probably will not have that many good friends. Now, I'll say this. This is not always the case. But I could say with confidence, this is more true than it's not, right? Have you noticed this in your life? If you put out something good, if you're a good friend, basically what comes back to you are other people that are good friends as well. So now after Saul was in Jerusalem, we're going to see 
And when he came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, remember what I said last week, okay? The expected response. This guy saw dragging believers out, putting them in the prison, getting them killed. Then he comes in and says, hey, guys, I'm one of you, okay? So basically, they're skeptical. They're skeptical. A guy going from house dragging out believers to prison and having them killed would raise some concerns among the believers. They didn't trust him. So when he came in, based upon his track record, based upon his history, based upon what happened in the past, they were skeptical, which really brings us to the next person we see God use, and his name is Barnabas. Now, Barnabas, there was a brief mention of him in chapter 4 of Acts. His name actually means son of encouragement. So Barnabas was an encouraging guy, and we're going to see more of him throughout the book of Acts. But in in verse 27, this is what Barnabas did. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So here Barnabas, he was an encouraging guy, and God used him to stick up for Saul. He used him to stick up for Saul, to tell the other believers, he's the real deal. Here's how he became a Christian. Here's what he's been doing since. There was obviously a degree of risk for Barnabas. If Saul really didn't become a believer and had evil intentions to get in the inside and harm the believers, But but Barnabas stuck his neck out. He vouched for Saul, and that was obviously an encouragement to Saul. Let me ask you. Are you an encouragement to other believers? No matter where their spiritual journey is, no matter what's going on, maybe you have a believer in your life who's broken. You know what? They've done some things that they're not proud of. They're actually ashamed of. Other Christians don't want them around. They kind of cast them out. Okay, are you the one that steps up and says, you know what? This is our brother and sister in Christ. This is a person that like, we need to rally around. You know, there's many ways that God can use you to encourage others. You can encourage others with your words. What are some of the things that you say? I know many times in life it's tempting to say things that are underhanded, that are discouraging, that kind of sting. But what are, what are you using your words to? When you get into a conversation, are you thinking, how can I encourage this person? How can I inspire them? How can I make them feel the way that God wants them to feel? So you can encourage people with your words. You can encourage them with your actions, the things that you do, the things that you do for them, the things that you do in front of them. You can encourage them by the way that you live. You know, one of the most encouraging things that you can do for other believers is actually obey the Lord. When, when you're obeying the Lord, guess what? Other believers say, hey, that's possible. I can actually do this. And we'll see as Saul later changes his name to Paul and lives out his life, he becomes a huge encouragement to the church for literally centuries, all of us. Barnabas was that encourager. He was that type of guy. So you can encourage him with your actions. You can encourage him by the way you live. You can encourage them by helping them fulfill the purposes that God calls them to do. 
That's what Barnabas was doing here. He knew that Saul was back here in Jerusalem, and he had a mission. And the mission was to bring the gospel message to other people. So Barnabas knew this and said, hey, listen, I'm going to make sure that these other disciples, that they realize, like, we got to accept this guy. He's one of us now, and God's going to use him powerfully. Now, Barnabas could have easily sat back and let the other believers think what they thought about Saul, but he didn't. He corrected their wrong thinking, and he encouraged Saul to further the work of God. Now, the next people that we see God use are unnamed brothers. So let's look at this. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews that favored the Greek culture and the way of living over the Jewish culture. Now, needless to say, they were not in favor of the teachings of Jesus. But these unnamed brothers, the term brother is used for a fellow believer. These believers must have had some resources to help Saul travel and to protect him. So they rose up. They're unnamed, right? We don't, we don't have it. It wasn't like Jim, Jack, and Fred. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It was these unnamed brothers, okay? But these people that were there to help Saul continue on in his purposes, See, the result of all these people working together, because we had Saul, we had Barnabas, we had the unnamed disciples, we had unnamed brothers, all these people, right, working together. And here's what happens. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You know what we see here? A spiritually growing church where people felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit and more and more the church multiplied. People trusted in Jesus. They trusted the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. They trusted in the fact that Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he was God and provide salvation for all who believe. You see, This is not just about the ministry of Saul, right? Just in these few verses, we see all these people, these believers working together so the Lord's work is accomplished. You know, that forces me to think about our church, right? For four decades, people working together to accomplish the work of the Lord. Just a few weeks ago, we had Rob Styler here. He is one of the earliest people in this church. And he went out to do ministry, and guess what? Three and a half decades later, our church is still supporting him and helping him fulfill the ministry that God has called him to do. You know, we work together, right? We work together. The Lord calls us all to ministry. It's not about one person, right? It's not about one person doing their ministry. In fact, the ministry here at the church doesn't depend on any one person. It really depends on the Lord and all the people willing to answer the call to actually do the work of the ministry. That means the Lord's work will get done no matter who the Lord raises up. We just happen to have the honor and the privilege 
to be called to do his work today, right? We have that honor and privilege to be called to do the work today in this town, in this community. Now Saul had work to do from the Lord, and he placed all these people around him to help him accomplish. You know, Saul, he gets, and like I said later, Paul, he gets a lot of fanfare, right? A lot of people look. But think about this. Just in these few verses, all these people that made it possible for him to be in the places that he needed to be, safely getting there so he can share the word. We all have a part in the body of Christ. Now we have a transition to the next person that God is using. And this transition is with Peter. Peter, as I said in past sermons and acts, this is a special time in God's economy that they're living out the scriptures so that we can now read them today, right? So this is a special time. We're, we're watching the church being built. We're watching the scriptures being written. Many of the miracles that happen at the hands of the apostles are not miracles that we are called to perform today, okay? So many of the miracles that you're going to see next, and you'll see why, are not things that we're actually called to do, but we're observing the power of God in those very early days. So let's look at verse 32. It says, Now as Peter went here and there among them, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. So Peter was on his way to Joppa, which was on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. He stopped in a place called Lydda. Let's find out what happens there. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. Notice he told him, make your bed. Kids out there? Make your, no, okay, <laughs> that's not the point of this, okay. <laughs> so B Peter, by the name of Jesus, heals a paralyzed man. The question that comes up when we see this is, does God still heal today? And we've talked about this. The answer to that is yes, he does, and that's why we pray. So we have a prayer chain. So we have prayer ministries. We, when we hear about somebody sick or hurting or in need, we pray because we truly wholeheartedly believe that God heals. But then the question comes up is this. But do we as believers have the power and the authority to walk up to somebody and say, in the name of Jesus, you are healed? So for instance, if somebody walks in here and they have a bad knee and they can't walk, can I walk up to them and put my hand on their shoulder and say, in the name of Jesus, you're healed? Sure I can, okay? Is this going to happen? It is very doubtful, okay? It's very doubtful because remember, this is a special time in which God has called these believers to do these miraculous things. So we're witnessing this apostolic time where the New Testament is being written. The purpose of this miracle here was to grab people's attention and turn them to the Lord. And that's exactly what happened. Let's look. It says, And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Lydda and Sharon, the places between Jerusalem and the coastal city of Joppa, and apparently there was a large number of people who trusted in Jesus. Now, I don't want to read too much into it, but it says... And all the residents 
Okay. So was it every single person? I, I'm not sure. But a heck of a lot of people wound up, whoa, paralyzed man? Peter comes in in the name of Jesus? This kind of reminds us of what Jesus did. These guys are working in the power of Jesus. Jesus was killed, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, but his power is still working here. His power is still living and well here today. So, so basically, this miracle, as the New Testament is being put together, this miracle is capturing people's attention. Here's another thing. Jesus is still working. We believe that Jesus is still working, obviously. We believe that God still heals. Does he do it this way? Like I said, I'm not so sure, but here's what we do at the church, and here's what we do as believers. We pray. We pray. You know what? God uses that prayer. He listens to that prayer. He uses modern medicine to heal people. He uses all these things. Don't ever look and say, okay, that's science and medicine over there, and God's over here, okay? No, 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 no. It all works together. That is such a misconception and such wrong thinking to think that those things are two separate. Because guess what? God actually has his hand in modern medicine to heal people and help them and help us, right? So meanwhile, we come to the next person, and her name is Tabitha. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. We can all see why she went by Tabitha, okay? <laughs> she was full of good works and acts of charity, okay? Tabitha was a follower of Jesus and an all-around solid believer, right? An all-around solid believer. A great example of how a believer should act. Full of good works and charity. Is that you? Are you that believer? Maybe you're a believer, but you're not full of good works, and you're not very charitable. Well, why not? Why not? Are you lazy? Are you selfish? Ask yourself, why am I not doing good things? Why am I not charitable? You know, we all have excuses, right? I have excuses. You have excuses. I don't have the time. Maybe it's not a priority. Maybe I'm not sure what to do. Maybe I'm not sure what I can do. Maybe I'm not sure how to do good things. Whatever the reason is, know this. With the help of the Lord, you can change that. Okay? With the help of the Lord, you can change that. Tabitha was a great example. She was full of good works and acts of charity. We can be people like that. With the help of the Lord, we can be people like that. We can start doing good. We can start being charitable. Pray and ask for opportunities. God has placed you in this church, right, for many different opportunities to do good. Many different ministries out there that you can serve in. Many different ways that you can be charitable. Many different ways that you can help other people. You're in your workplace. You're in school, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your friends. There's many different opportunities for you. You just need to open your eyes and be willing to see those things and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to do this? So Tabitha was an example of that. I encourage you all to take the time 
I encourage you all to, to take the time and actually think about, okay, what can I do? How can I actually do this? Because let me just tell you, I know I talk about this a lot. I encourage you often and talk about this a lot, about sharing your faith with others, right? Telling people about Jesus. Well, guess what? All those opportunities are going to start with the way that you act. Okay, they're going to start with that. People will listen when you do good works and when you're charitable. They're just going to. They're going to be like, okay, this person's a real deal. Let's see what they have to say. This person's a real deal. I'm going to give them a listening ear. They have this to say or that to say. I'm going to listen up. So let's see what happens to Tabitha. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they washed her, they laid her in an upper room. She got sick and died? Would you look at that? A good person. A bad thing happening to a good person? Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? Right? That's what people say. How could bad things happen to good people? Remember what we learned last week? Suffering comes to even the most obedient of, it, of us. Why? Because we live in a sin-cursed world. Bad things happen, and bad things will happen to people that are full of good works and charitable. You know, sometimes when bad things happen to people like that, people ask the question, why, why does this happen? Or they look and they say, there's so many terrible people out there. I wish that happened to them, right? Well, here's the truth. Good works don't protect us from bad things. Good works don't protect us from bad things happening. We live in a sin-cursed world. But let's see what happens and how God uses two unnamed men. Here is another couple unnamed men. Since little was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So now these two men heard what happened and were dispatched by the disciples and said, Go get Peter. He could probably do something. I mean, we already saw him heal somebody. So these unnamed men or disciples step in. The distance between Joppa and Lydda was about 12 miles. So they travel there to tell Peter and bring him back. It's like a marathon, right? What's a marathon? 26 miles or something like that? Um, so they, they run 24 miles. They go and get Peter and bring him back. They couldn't text him. Hey, Peter, we need you over here in District 12. Um, so they, they run there. They get him. So they traveled to tell Peter to bring him back. Did they have to? No. They knew that Peter could do something about it. They just knew that Peter needed to be involved. They didn't know how it was going to look. I'm sure they were pleasantly surprised with how it did look, because here's what happens. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. So this scene, mourning widows, right? Our good friend passed away. Look what she made me. It's kind of like, you know, a memorial service. Look what this person meant to me. So Peter gets there, and there's this group of widows mourning, remembering Tabitha. So the assumption here is this. These unnamed men went to tell Peter that Tabitha was dead because they expected him to do something about it. 
They expected him to do something about it. Whether it was comfort the people that were mourning, I don't know. This event is right after Peter's healing of Aeneas. But what could Peter possibly do? I mean, he's just a man. Well, the answer to that is Jesus gave Peter and the apostles a special mission to do things that we cannot do. And I want to turn your attention to a passage in Matthew, which the entire passage was read today in the scripture reading. And it says this, Jesus saying to the twelve, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. So here's this amazing commission to this very specific group of disciples. Here's what you guys are going to do. This is why we see this in Acts. This passage right here, what Jesus said to these disciples, this is why we see these miraculous things in Acts, and this is why we don't see this today, okay? Because that was a special time, a special commission. Because what's going to happen next is absolutely amazing. But Peter put them all outside, knelt down and prayed, turning to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Peter raises this woman from the dead. Peter raises this woman from the dead. I have a lot of questions about this. Uh, you do as well. Like, you know, I'm thinking Tabitha, okay? And this is kind of not really sacrilegious, but just how my mind goes. Like, she's like, wait, I'm back? <laughs> I was in heaven, okay? I don't want to be back, okay? She doesn't say that. Because we look at death as a bad thing, right? But really, the death of a believer, precious in the sight of the Lord, and the death of his saints... When we get there, we're never going to say, I want to go back, okay? We're going to say, I waited that long, okay? I wanted to be here. So Peter raised her from the dead. Does this happen today? Special time in God's economy, building the scriptures. Again, we go back to this special time in which God was doing mighty things through the apostles, which he told them they would do. So really, what was the purpose of this miracle? Because we all know Tabitha eventually was going to what? Die. Die, right? We don't even see her in the rest of Acts. We don't see her in any, if you, if you go into the esvstudybible.org and you type in Tabitha, guess where you'll see her? Right here, okay? Nowhere else. It's not like God raised her from the dead and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Here's why, because she did this, this, and this. She had a bunch of other garments to sew and people to tell about Jesus. No, none of that. The very purpose of the miracle was to actually get people's attention, was to actually show people that Jesus is living and well and his name will rise people. Do you know what? His name does raise us from the dead, right? 
because before you and I trusted him, we were dead, spiritually dead, and now we're alive. We were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. You and I are living miracles of what Jesus can do. So let's see what happens. And it became known throughout all Joppa. Many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with Simon a tanner. So the purpose of this miracle was to get the attention of people. Again, this early church was being built. This, things were happening. Amazing, miraculous things were happening. They saw the hand of Jesus walking with Saul and walking with all these other names. One of the things I love about this passage is we see all these, what, unnamed people. You know, let's be honest. We're important to God, right? But on the grand scope of history, think about this. Think about the dot we are. I mean, think about this. I mean, great men and women were in the past, right? And they get like a, a few lines in a history book. Guess what? Guess what I'm not getting? Any lines in a history book, okay? The dot of my life will only make a difference to the people that God used me to minister to. It's the same with all of you. It's important. And we see all these people, these unnamed people. They didn't even get their name in the book. It's, it's kind of like watching, like if you have a friend who is like an extra in a movie, right? And they're like, at, at minute one hour and 13, you know, you'll see me in the background. You pause it. There he is, okay? That's like, that's what's going on here, Okay. But God uses all those people. So today in Acts chapter 9, we saw how God used many different people to spread the good news about Jesus. He continues to use people like you and me so that people hear the good news of Jesus. We need to be willing to follow after him so we can be used by him.